Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Randall Kenneth Jones. He's the author of Show Me, Celebrities, Business Tycoons, Rock Stars, Journalists, <laughs> Humanitarians, Attack Bunnies, and more. It's great to have you with us, Randy. It's great to be here. Before we get to these Attack Bunnies, <laughs> Show Me, what's this book about? What kind of a book is this? You know, well, Show Me, because I'm from originally from Missouri, it's the Show Me States. Yes. Um, what I had the opportunity to do, but I live in Florida now, so what I had the opportunity to do when I moved to Naples, Florida, it's a location where a lot of people go to retire, they have full-time, part-time, they come through, and I just frankly went to the Naples Daily News and said, has anybody talked to them? Uh -huh. They said, no, do you want to do it? And that was four years ago. Okay. And I've written a column for the Naples Daily News for four years, but the access that I've gotten to the people that either live there full-time, part-time, guests, friends, whatever. It's been extraordinary. Wow. But the coolest thing, and I'm, I want to say this now, it could happen anywhere. It doesn't have to be in Naples, Florida. Mm -hmm. What I'm so proud of with Show Me is that it shows people what I did, but you can do that in any, any city in the country if you take the time to ask people, how are they successful? What have they done? What are their tips? What advice do they have? It really, it, it works anywhere. So it's not a book that's about Florida. It's my experiences talking to people, and, and it applies in, to any community in the country. Lots of famous people. We should say the intro is <clears throat> by Erin Brockovich. Erin Brockovich. How cool is that? How yeah. did that come about? Um, she is somebody that I interviewed. She has a word that I love, stick to uh -huh. And if you know anything about Erin, stick to certainly is a word, and it's a real word. Right. That she, she loves and she lives by. She, I... I sent her a couple emails, and, you know, asking to interview her, and she had not responded. Which she's she's still all about water, so she's busy on yeah. the waterfront. And so I didn't give up. I took a picture of myself holding a piece of paper that said, "Aaron Brockovich does not give up easily either." <laughs> sent her that picture, and one minute later, I heard from her. So would you say that's the trick to getting access to all of these incredible people that you spoke to? Kind of hooking them? It's hooking them as being, you know, yes, clever helps. I gotta, I gotta tip my hat to nice. It just doesn't hurt to be polite and patient. And I interviewed over 100 people. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, I mean, I got introductions where people said, use my name, and occasionally I got an introduction. But for the most part, I went directly to the person or their handler and I would like to believe I was polite and patient because it was an ongoing column. There was no real deadline. Right. I mean, it took me three years to get an interview with Pat Benatar. Patience really, I think, worked better than anything because okay. the column was ongoing. I didn't have a problem coming back three months later or six months later. If I really wanted somebody, I would come back a year later. Sure, sure. And I think sometimes they gave in. It's just a matter of they were like, stop bugging oh, me. Right. He's not going away. Exactly. He right. really and I also I didn't get any assignments. Yeah. I actually literally only interviewed people who I legitimately personally wanted to talk to. Okay, so what was the criteria for you? What was what was the reason why you reached out to so and so? We should go through some of the highlights of some of the people, but what was your motivation for who you reached out to? Somebody that I personally 
would find interesting okay. that I felt like I would have something to say to. Okay. I mean, nobody wants to get in a situation interviewing where you're like, I don't have anything to say. But th there are other times where I reached out to some people because I didn't know anything about what they do. General Barry McCaffrey. Mm -hmm. I'm not in the military. I've not been people in the military. People might not go, know who that is. Who is I he? don't think a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. I think we know people who live a military lifestyle. Right. But what does it really mean to live and work in the military? I'm not so sure people knew, and I didn't. Mm -hmm. So when I talked to him, what an incredibly gracious, kind man. He, he got that, and he was really respectful. And I went to him and I said, I don't know. I've known a lot of people that I lived by in my neighborhoods that were in the military, usually retired. Right. But I don't know. What's it really like? So it was, it, that was just curiosity. The other thing I was truly looking for was diversity. Okay. I had an opportunity to interview Cassie DePaiva from One Life to Live and Days of Our Lives. Okay. And I thought, well, a lot of people talk about office drama. Not, pretty common. Yeah, it's human nature. How many people talk about office drama by interviewing a soap star? Mm. I'm not saying I'm the only one, but okay. I think I'm probably on a fairly short list. Okay, right. How many so, people would talk about office drama with a soap star? Yeah. What made you do that? Because it was just, to me, it was just the way my mind worked. Okay. It was like, okay, somebody's going to introduce me to Cassie DePaiva. I thought that was fascinating to interview somebody that nobody expected me to interview as far as a soap star. But then I thought, but this needs to be valid. This mm -hmm. needs to be interesting. And she's brilliant. I mean, forget the character she's played. She's the kindest, nicest, most articulate Given the opportunity to come out of the soap opera and just talk about what it's like to be her and mm -hmm. her work ethic and all the memorization, she's one of the most intelligent people. Yeah, in you have to be. So, so, so the soap it's, opera, it's the tough. memorization, it's like a book. Yeah, right? it, it's every tough. day. It's and she is so on. She's so spot on. She's so bright. But how many how many opportunities does she get? Absolutely, to, to speak her mind, right? You know, mm -hmm. I had the same scenario when I did talk to Pat Benatar in the forty years that she had worked. Really, everybody was like, how did you write this song? The basic Q&A that you gave the rock star. Yeah. I wanted to talk about how they run their family business. Great. How because that's what yeah. it is. That's right. what it is. What, what they did, which I found fascinating, what Pat Benatar and her husband, Neil Giraldo, did. Uh, in the late 90s, she rebranded mm -hmm. as Pat Benatar, ampersand, Neil Giraldo. We don't live oh, in that world. I didn't know that. Yeah. We live in a world where Beyonce didn't leave Beyonce to go to Destiny's Child. Right. We go solo in our world. Correct. And she didn't do that because she felt like he never got the credit he deserved. So she rebranded the two of them together. That's the story I wanted to tell. Right. Because I think that should be celebrated. When Absolutely. somebody who in theory is quote unquote the famous one, but she's like, this is my husband. We've been together for 35 years. I truly wouldn't be me without him. And she's, and I, the questions I asked her about this, her work and their work together, according to Pat, was, nobody's ever asked it before. That's great. And you don't want to keep reading the same things over and over again. So you've mentioned a couple. Let's go through some more highlights. Okay. Who else is on the menu in this book? Who else can people expect to, to read about? Oh, um, there's so many. Shirley Jones. Okay. You know, I think there's a lot to be said for traditional values. I think there's so much to be. And the book focuses on this a lot. Please, thank you. Face-to-face -face communication. Uh, you know, technology is a great communication tool, but it can't replace real communication. Sure. And we're in danger of that happening. I'd say My so. kids don't really know any other way to communicate. Right. So when you get to talk to somebody like Shirley Jones, whose whole world is about 
the smile and the handshake and the courtesy and the respect. Her view of her her traditional view of what it meant to be her okay. was extraordinarily special. And who doesn't want to talk to Mama Partridge? Truth be told, the younger generation might not know who she is. And they may not, mm -hmm. but you know, it's time to find out. Right. Yeah. You know, a lot I, of wisdom to pass on. Well, and I did skew, I will say I probably have a few that were in their twenties, a few in their thirties. For the most part I went forty plus. Part of that was because that's we're in Florida. It is a 40, 50 plus sort of area. Right. But I wanted this wisdom to be captured. You know, I, I want the kids, the young people, the millennials who read this, they should know who she is, especially considering she wasn't just singing, I think I love you. She's sharing advice mm -hmm. that can make me and the readers, young or old, better people. Right. You can't really go wrong with that. So yeah, there's people, I. Out, it will embarrass him. I said this. My son did a lot of the photography uh, mm -hmm. for me when I did it, and I interviewed Willard Scott. Excellent. He had no idea. I'm right. like, you're having breakfast with Willard Scott, who, in my view, single-handedly celebrated aging in the most positive way. Nobody can touch him. Mm -hmm. His hundredth birthday salute. Nobody can no touch one. that. Yep. Mm -hmm. And with his retirement, I mean, who who can replace that? I mean, that was so extraordinarily special. My son had no idea who he was. Right. But before we went, he certainly did. Of course. He also watched Aaron Brockovich, the movie, before we went to right. that one, too. Great movie. But by the same token, you might not know some of the people that he's into. Absolutely. A music star, perhaps. Who knows? Yeah. You know, there's so well, much out there. Yeah, you can't. Be, you have to ask him, though. Yes, I of mean, course. I mean, I have to say, because I'll see what they're talking about, and I don't know. You're absolutely right. And I ask, yeah. because I'm curious, because I kind of do. They, my, Both my kids, they're in their 20s now. They do mm -hmm. tend to prefer to speak their own language. But right, right. Got to be inquisitive and find out what's going on. So, right. So then... Who would you say is your target reader? Who should pick up this book? You know what, I, it's a wide net. Well, I blend personal and professional development together. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a huge, I think you're kind of the same person at home as at work. I think they feed on each other. Yeah, it's a fusion. But when you come to really professional development, and from my experience, and this is a general statement, there's a lot of focus on white collar. Okay. And there's a lot, from what I've seen, everyone works. And by exploring people, I, Carl Edwards from NASCAR, as I said, I interviewed him. I may be the only person to ever cover NASCAR in a personal professional development book, but he was phenomenal mm -hmm. and had great advice on what happens when you go too fast. What did he say? Planning, strategy. Uh -huh. You know, it, Carl literally said, you know, keep your eye on the road, don't look in the rearview mirror. We've all heard that. But if you put that in terms of what that means to somebody who's in his seat, that means a lot more. Sure. But really, he didn't get a do-over. You know, we live in a world that moves too fast. Mm -hmm. and, and the worst thing is when people do it wrong, which happens often, they answer two questions when you ask them three. They do it wrong. You have to They don't fix answer it. the they question. To, yeah. They don't answer it at all. When we move too fast, which we do, and it's only getting worse, it, it's a disaster. It really causes, in his world, it's really a disaster. If you're moving too fast and you don't have a plan or a strategy or skill or ability or thoughts. Right. And... He was fascinating to explore that topic with, not just his speed around the track, but speed in general. It was a fascinating thing to do it. Is there an interview in the book that was most meaningful for you? I would have to say I'm very blessed. I became, I met very early Peggy Post. Okay. Who, until recently, was the uh, director and spokesperson for the Emily Post Institute. Mm -hmm. To those who 
know what Emily Post represents. Now, granted, the, the younger age group doesn't Tell them, because I don't think everybody knows that. You know, that. Emily Post wrote a book uh, in 1922 called Etiquette. Etiquette, yep. And it was the, the standard by which etiquette was viewed in the entire last century. I mean, literally, what would Emily Post do is probably the first name that was ever inserted into that sentence. Correct. Well, that family has done an extraordinary job keeping that legacy alive. The legacy, alive. it's true and continuing to update and refresh and change with the times those various titles. Well, Peggy Post, until she retired, was the director of that. And oh, wow, she took me under her wing. Hmm. I mean, just so much. She's helped me so much. She wrote the foreword for this book. Uh, she answers questions for me, and it's intimidating. Mm -hmm. I mean, oh, absolutely. I mean, you yeah. know who Emily Post is, so if yes. you're meeting the Emily Post descendant, right. It's it's an intimidating thing, and she's the least intimidating human being on the planet. Right, and she knows I'm going to interrupt her, and she knows that I'm going to speak with my mouth full, and she, and she knows I'm going to put my elbows. She knows I'm going to mess up. Right, and she doesn't care because she judges the person, not the behavior. What's been the most shocking thing that happened to you, Randy, on this journey? Because this has been a ten-year journey. It's ten years. I tell you though, the most shocking thing happened was the last thing I put in the book. I had interviewed Hoda Copy. Uh huh. From the Today Show. Which, who was extraordinary. Yes. And it took me six months to track down a time with her. Patience. She's wonderful. I love what the show represents. I love the positivity aspect of it. So we were invited to go to the Today Show. Great. And we knew that Hoda might put us on. We thought, it's not work. we're going to do a cooking display. Uh -huh. So we're waiting with the, before the last commercial break. There's a few other guests that have been invited to come up and sit on this circular bench. And Hoda's gesturing to come up. And well, you don't run into live TV unless you're absolutely sure. And I looked at her and she nodded and gestured. So, and then they start the countdown. Right. 10, 9, and I'm like, gotta get on. So I run up there. My husband Derek is with me. He's right behind me. I run up there, I reach the bench, I sit down. Six, five, oh, no. four. I sit down, it's on wheels, and it starts to go. Ah! So I'm careening toward the back wall of the Today Show set. Live? Not yet. Oh, right. Oh, they're, right. not yet. Okay. Derek comes in, wants to sit down, sits down. There's no bench there. He lands on his bottom, oh, on the floor, and now we're live. Oh, boy. So you pick up. He's on the floor, and what he's happened on the next? Floor. We're, he's on the floor. You know, I look for a lesson in everything, and that's, this is such a good point because I'm trying. We pay attention and listen and look for the lesson and evaluate. They're there. How many times have any either one of us been told to when you fall down you get back up again? Right. Is there a better example? Literally and figuratively. <laughs> Literally and fi I mean, really, if you fall down, he's going to look pretty stupid if he sits there. It happens in Fashion Week every year. Somebody yeah. falls. Yeah. He fell. You know, he got back up again. They were wonderful and charming, are you okay? And they were great and right. they handled it like total pros. pros. I laughed, what do you do? You gotta acknowledge it, you know, it happens to everybody. Yeah. Anybody who's, who's, you know, who's a human being has fallen, tripped at some point in their lives. But he did not bat an eye. Right. He just got up. So what was the lesson? Just When you fall. Just get up. Just get up. And move on. There are several lessons in my book that you have heard before. Mm -hmm. But I think we hear some of these so often, we don't even think about what they mean. So what's the most important lesson then in the book? Authenticity. Okay. Yeah, truly. Listening. I counted. I mentioned listen or listening 52 times. Right. Because there's a huge difference between um, hearing and listening. Oh, huge. 
huge. And yeah. I don't think most people know the difference. You know, and part of the book was trying to fight that. Right, you can hear something, but listening, there's an element of understanding it. Yeah, we form opinions so quickly with right. no information. So what did I do? I talked to B Vicki Gundelson from the Real Housewives of Orange County. Mm -hmm. I mean, I literally have somebody who is uh, arguably a very big reality TV star who's actually a very accomplished businesswoman who is very bright and articulate. And we talked about perception versus reality. You know, the whole thing was about, because she knows it better than anyone. Right, and it is terrific, and that's why you have to read the book to find out what she has to say. But yeah. we're out of time, Randy, but I'd be remiss if I did not bring up these attack bunnies that I mentioned okay. at the top of the interview. Because also, you might not notice it on the cover of the book. There are bunnies there are on the bunnies. cover of your book. You and mentioned attack bunnies. In. Oh, not, they are real, but yeah, you can tell real. those no, are real, real bunnies. I'm really so, touched So them. what's with the bunnies, Randy, okay. real quickly? I'm terrified of bunnies okay. because... I was at work, I was naked, and I was attacked by a bunny. And if you want to know more, you got to read the book. Wow, that is a terrific true story, tease. True story. That is a terrific tease. And I guess there you have it. <laughs> Thank you so much for Thank spending you. some this time fun. with this us. Yeah, this is great. And uh, it's a unique book. And like you said, so many lessons and stories and anecdotes uh, with a twist. So thanks for being here. Thank you. And if you'd like more information on the book and to find out the story about the bunnies, check out our <laughs> website. It's csweetbookclub.com, c-sweetbookclub.com. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV. Like what you just heard, visit c-sweetradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.